Welcome back to Men's Levens from the Edge. I am Jeremy Glazer, the co-chair of the Men's Levin Venture Capital and Emerging Company Practice. Men's Levin is a nationally leading law firm focused on helping emerging growth companies achieve success. Check us out at mincedge.com. I am pleased today to welcome my partner, Jen Rubin. Jen has been practicing employment law for 30 years, the last 19 of which have been with Mince. Her focus is on finding business solutions to the manner in which her client navigate the employment relationship. Her two main passions are her services as a faculty member and advisor to the Honor Foundation, a nonprofit organization that assists Navy SEALs and other armed services special operators transition from the military service to the private sector, and her role as chair of the Lawyers Club of San Diego's Workplace Equity and Civility Initiative an initiative launched as a proactive and productive community response to the Me Too movement. On today's podcast, Jen and I are going to discuss the recently adopted California law addressing the classification of independent contractors and how this law will impact startups and early stage companies in California. Well, welcome, Jen. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Well, why don't we start by just explaining what was the purpose of this law adopted by the California legislature and I guess just signed by Governor Newsom yesterday. Yes, just this this week. So uh, there's a perception that our legislature had that uh, there are social and legal issues associated with Uh, the misclassification of individuals as uh, contractors versus employees. And you've heard it largely reported as a problem that arises from the gig economy, Uber and Lyft and the like. Uh, But I think the perception, and in fact, if you read in the the actual legislation, um, is that misclassification represents what our legislature has called the erosion of the middle class, uh, the, the legislature has indicated that the stated purpose of this law is to recoup lost revenue from companies that aren't paying into the system for workers' compensation, unemployment, Social Security, and the like. And the legislature has also indicated that this law, while uh, in effect helping these workers, will also allow the workers to maintain some flexibility so that individuals can still work part-time and can still work for multiple employers. Okay. So this law makes some very significant changes in the way we view independent contractors and kind of requirements around classifying them as employers. Maybe you could explain some of those. Sure. So let's start with what is unchanged. I think that that will be helpful. So the law, uh, in effect, modifies the labor code and the unemployment code. And uh, what do those codes say? For example, and particularly for uh, startups and small companies, um, a director of a company is not subject to the unemployment code. And this law does not change that. So you do not have to reclassify your directors as employees. Let's start with that. And what about officers? Well, to the extent an officer performs services for a company, then this law is going to capture that relationship. But to the extent somebody simply has a title um, of an officer and they are, in effect, a founder and they're performing services, in effect, on their own time um, and it's just for their own benefit, then this law is not going to impact them. Now, um, generally speaking, when you have a situation with a founder or, or a startup, uh, the, the unemployment department uh, would view the, that relationship when somebody would come in and make a claim for unemployment as uh, the following. Did a person make a decision to fire themselves? <laughs> right? 
Um, and, and it really is the flip side, if you look at this, would somebody uh, sue themselves? So um, under these circumstances, when you're dealing with individuals and they're running the businesses for their own account, you're not really that worried about it. It's really when you're bringing in a third party, okay? So let's assume we have two founders and they've come up with an idea and they're, they're out looking for financing and they're getting things off the ground and all the things associated with that. Anything they do on their own time, whether they're sitting in their living rooms, their garages, or even in, a, in an office, um, is really for their own account. We're not going to worry about this new law. But as soon as they bring somebody else in, it's a third party um, who's coming in from the outside, now we have to start to worry about it. And that's when we look at whether or not this law is going to require that individual to be classified as an independent contractor as opposed to an employee. So that's interesting what you described. So if I'm the founder of a company and I... Um, you know, maybe because I have another job and I'm doing this kind of on the side to start a new company. Is there going to be any requirement under this new law that I, for example, have to pay myself a minimum wage or I have to pay into the Social Security and unemployment um, uh, funds? Right. Very unlikely under those circumstances because, again, as I mentioned, the unemployment code is set up to determine whether or not there's a, a hiring or firing type of decision. And if you just decide to stop working on your um, um, idea, transaction, potential business, that's not something that's going to raise a claim under the code. And that's why under the circumstances you don't really need to worry about it. Again, if you bring in somebody from the outside and that is a third person, that's when you have to start making a decision, do I need to classify this person properly? Okay, so let's let's maybe take a step back and talk about you know the classification process and then if you don't mind, maybe we can roll into why it matters. What does that require? Once somebody you've determined that they really are an employee, what, what is triggered that has an economic, economic impact on right, the business? Right. So let's just back up uh, and speak very quickly about what this new law requires in a general sense. So it codifies the Dynamex decision, which is a California Supreme Court case that came down last spring, uh, May of 19, um, in which the... Um, uh, court ruled that individuals uh, are generally speaking to be determined as employees um, unless you can show that the person is completely free from the control of the uh, employing entity, um, that the person performs work that is outside the usual course of the entity's business, and finally, and this is all um, and, 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 uh, the person is in business for themselves. So it's called the ABC test. You have to satisfy each of those. The new law that is now going to affect in Jan 1, 2020, now statutorily incorporates those concepts. Okay, so if you have an individual and they do not generally qualify under that, under that test, you are going to have to classify them as an employee. Let's just stop for a second, just so we can be clear for our listeners. So. Give me an example of somebody who, under that test, would clearly be an independent contractor. Well, um, certainly a lawyer, uh, an accountant, an outside auditor, and there's a whole list of exemptions, in fact, that the law statutorily says um, you are not included in this. So you have to look at that list to determine if you're on it. If you're not, there's a couple of other uh, lists you can look at. Are you a, uh, a certain professional uh, employer organizations are exempt? 
um, and a few other exemptions. What, what are employee organizations? What does that mean? Um, well, for example, um, somebody who is in effect um, in business for themselves and they are a licensed business, they are um, incorporated, they are holding themselves out to the world as being in business, generally speaking, um, open for business to, to other okay. folks. Um, that's what we would call a business-to-business -business exemption. So they're not going to get swept up in this. Who's getting swept up in this, really, generally speaking, are individuals, the people who come in your door who you may think, oh, I'm just going to call them an independent contractor or my other favorite label, consultant. Yes. And we're going to get away with it if we call them that. But the important thing to note is that it's not the label that matters. It's what is the person doing for you. Mm -hmm. So this new law, and I, and I understand it came out of this court case, it really does make it very difficult for an individual who's performing services that are related to the very business that the company is doing to be determined to be an independent contract. Is that a fair comment? Yes, um, almost impossible, in fact. Um, and, and that's why this law, I mean, there's been a lot of press about this law, and they keep talking about it in terms of Uber and Lyft. But Uber and Lyft are the least of our, our issues here in California. It's every single business that hires an individual. Every single business, small, large, you know, getting off the ground, been established for a long time, there's no exemptions. And that's a really key thing I want to make sure that our listeners understand. There, there is no exemption for only having a certain number of employees. This applies to any business of any size. That is correct. Okay. Wow. So let's talk about what that means now, the economic impact yes. of that. So let's assume, you know, again, I'm a startup. I have, you know, I'm the founder. I bring in, you know, employee number three, um, who's clearly working on the very business that, of, of, that we're engaged in. In the past, I would have maybe tried to call that person an independent contractor in yes. order to save money and not have to pay you know, a minimum wage, et cetera. So walk us through now, what is the economic impact that this person now has to be classified as an employee? Well, the economic impact is going to be significant, uh, both to the business and um, to the state of California. <laughs> so uh, there's an immediate cost. The employer has to not only pay the uh, Medicare tax of 1.45%, uh, which is unlimited, there's no wage cap there. Uh, Social Security, which is uh, generally speaking a, a tad over 6% up to a certain annual wage cap. And then everything else, uh, the unemployment uh, premiums that are assessed. Um, here in California, state disability, uh, there's a paid family leave assessment. All these payroll assessments have to now come out of the employee's paycheck. Um, and the employer's treasury, by the way, because the employer has to match or pay for some of these things. You can't pass everything on to the employee. So there's an immediate cost to the employer. There's an immediate cost to the employee. Um, and there, of course, is an immediate benefit to the state of California, which now gets to collect these things. In addition, and this is very significant, you know, when you have an employee, you also have to have workers' compensation insurance, and that's something that needs to be purchased um, immediately. Uh, there could be criminal penalties and fines for, for failing to do that. So that's a very significant um, item that needs to be added to the list. In addition, now that the individual is considered to be an employee, they are immediately subject to all of the wage and hour laws. You mentioned um, overtime, minimum wage. Um, well, there's a whole host of other laws, um, family and medical leave, uh, training uh, relating to uh, prohibiting sexual harassment in the workplace is another one. And, you know, frankly, the, the California Labor Code is uh, more than robust when it comes to employment regulations. So um, these businesses, again, even small businesses, 
businesses are going to find themselves um, concerned, and rightly so, with uh, compliance issues related to that. Are any of those statutes and requirements that you just mentioned, do any of them have small business exemptions built into them? It, many of them do. Uh, uh, for example, the um, uh, statute relating to training, although there's been a one-year delay that uh, Governor Newsom recently approved uh, for uh, mandatory training for workforce on um, uh, prohibiting sexual harassment and also there's a, a bullying component to it, that has been put off, but that applies to companies of five or more. Um, and there's a whole host of other uh, laws and regulations that do depend on number of employees. So um, that's going to have to be looked at by each business to prepare for uh, these compliance-related issues. But one thing I want to add, um, yeah, there is a, uh, a regulatory cost to having um, uh, individuals classified as employees. But by the same token, the employer does gain control. And that may sound like an odd comment, but I do think it's a significant one. When you have an in, a true independent contractor, um, I, I use the example of, a, of an attorney, but you know, an outside auditor, accountant, um, and the like, you can't tell that person how to do their job, right? I mean, that's really the essence of being an independent contractor. <laughs> it was until AB5. Um, but it, it's important to note that when you do make somebody your employee, you now have the right to tell them how to do their job, when to do their job, uh, whether or not you're happy with it, you know, the, 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 what, what they've used to do the job and, and the result. And so there is uh, somewhat of a benefit in that you've, um, while you may be paying for that control, uh, you re really may want to think about exercising it and making good use of your money. Okay. So obviously a lot of regulations that now are you know, kicking in on even small businesses in California because of this change. Um, what are the penalties if you don't comply? Well, the penalties um, uh, can be severe. So let's start with what the state could do to you. <laughs> um, the statute actually gives the state uh, the right to bring an action for an injunction. So, so to require you immediately to comply with the regulation if it feels that you're not doing so. Um, that's, you know, a big deal to some, not so much to others, but uh, what about the back t uh, penalties and taxes, uh, which can be severe if anybody's ever gone through an EDD audit and been subject to reclassification and gotten that bill. Um, it could be extensive. Um, there's interest that, that's applied. There's penalties that's applied. So there's a large financial cost. Then there's a cost that could uh, uh, inure to the uh, putative employee who hasn't received benefits they claim they're entitled to, who haven't received back wages, who haven't been uh, receiving overtime, for example, if they're eligible for that. So um, that could be a cost as well. So uh, not just to answering to the state, but answering to individuals. Okay. So significant change in the way people have to think about uh, their, quote, independent contractors and employees, significant economic impact, and some serious um, downside if you don't comply. So that leads to the next question, which is, what do you have to do to start getting ready for this? What should what should companies be doing now to get ready for this in January? Well, the word is now because January is really only uh, in effect ninety days away at this point in the time where we're talking about this, which is really soon and. Um, uh, Companies need to start planning really based on the size of their business. So for example, 
some companies, especially startups, may want to consider looking into professional employer organizations, which, by the way, uh, the statute absolutely permits. Um, what is a professional employer organization? These are uh, companies that, in effect, exist. They're staffing companies, in effect, and they, and they exist to employ individuals. They pay individuals their wages. They pay them benefits. In many cases, the individual could be eligible for much more expansive benefits because you have the um, uh, large employers who, who can go out and negotiate for better insurance rates and the like. Um, so there could be a lot of benefits associated with using that model. Now you do give up some control because you have you have to give, they're called PEOs by the way, um, uh, for the acronym, you have to give the PEO a modicum of control over these individuals and of course that means having a third party involved in your business. Some people may not appreciate that. There's also obviously a cost. Um, their businesses, PEOs, don't do it for free. So there's going to be a percentage that could be charged um, simply to have this staffing model. Aside from the PEO model, you could go to a traditional staffing model. So you could just hire, I mean, people refer to them as temps, but hiring companies to basically supply you with your workforce. That's also perfectly okay under this uh, new statute. The concern, as I articulated at the beginning, is that somebody be a W-2 employee, so that somebody is having payroll taxes paid on their behalf. A staffing company will go ahead and do that for um, individuals who you bring in. Again, it's the same um, issues with PEOs. You now have a third party. You have a third party relationship. You worry about um, uh, issues relating to indemnities between the companies in terms of how do you handle employment claims as they arise and the like. So it's not as straightforward as it sounds, but, but these are business-like solutions. The point is you need to start thinking about it now. Thinking about it on January 2 is probably not a good idea. If you have not, for example, registered with EDD or purchased workers' compensation insurance or done some of these other very basic things, you really need to start thinking about doing that. Um, uh, my guess is uh, accountants and um, the staffing agencies are going to have a very, very busy holiday season this yes, year yes. As, as people start to focus on it. And, and, uh, and again, just to be clear for our listeners, no matter how small the business yes. is, you have to do this. Correct. That is, there is no exemption for, for a small business. That is absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, kind of wrapping up, um, anything that you want to make sure that our listeners are aware of with this new law and what's coming down the pike? I think this was really very, very useful to give a, a, just a good high-level outline of the changes, the risks, and the timeline, and now how important it is to be getting on this immediately. Yes. Any other comments? Yes, uh, two comments. First of all, we do get a lot of questions from, um, in our multi-jurisdictional world that we live in, you know, we may have a founder in New York, another founder in, in Alabama, um, looking to hire a service worker in California. And frequently we are asked questions, well, how do we go about doing that, and which law applies, okay? And it's a very good question. And generally speaking, it is the law of the state in which the individual is performing services. So if you are going to engage somebody in California, you are going to have to comply with this law. A subsidiary question that we're sometimes asked is, well, what if I'm incorporated in Delaware? Or what if I have a contract where I say Delaware law applies? 
Um, guess what, folks? Um, here in California, you can't do that uh, because we have yet another statute on the books in our labor code that says you cannot do that with respect to individuals performing services. So I'm sorry to say that that is not a workaround here. This is actually very important. So for our listeners who are not in California, if you are hiring anybody in the state of California, you're going to need to make sure that you've looked at this law, you're complying with the law. The idea of calling them independent contractors isn't is likely not going to work anymore. That is absolutely correct. Um, the last thing, and, and a, a shameless plug for our employment group, um, we have published a number of articles relating to these things on our Employment Matters blog, um, a nationally known blog, and I invite anybody who wants to read more at their own leisure, including uh, a chart that we prepared that shows the exemptions under this statute, uh, business to business arrangements, uh, professional employer organizations and the like, and we tried to make it uh, very user friendly because we know that you need to know what it is you need to do now for your business. Well, wonderful. Well, really, really useful. Um, thank you, Jen, for coming and explaining this new law to our listeners. Uh, I'm Jeremy Glazer of Mins 11, and thank you for listening to this edition of From the Edge.